stuff. Can you hear me all? Wonderful. Brilliant. Well, uh, may I add my own welcome to the uh, APCN and the Vestry meeting. It's uh, great that you've all turned out. It's always encouraging to uh, see good numbers at such meetings. I know there's uh, a lot to discuss. Some of it isn't uh, always as interesting as we might hope, but it is important and it is great to see people taking an interest in uh, the future of our church and the, indeed the past, the recent past, what uh, God's been doing and uh, what he will be doing uh, in the future. Uh, we've had a lot uh, this evening, but I want to spend some time looking at uh, God's Word. Uh, we are a church that is uh, driven by the Scriptures. That's been our heritage. We've stood on that since 1861, and I pray, at least, that that is true not only now, but that will be true in the future as well. So I think it's right that we spend a little bit of time uh, this evening thinking about the priorities that God might have for us uh, from the Scriptures and uh, what that might look like for us. Um, The uh, Bible reading was the reading that Beryl read for us earlier. It's Acts chapter 2, starting from verse 42. So if you have a Bible uh, open in front of you, that would be a great help to me. It's uh, page 1094. Page 1094, uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. And may I pray for us as we do so. Uh, Lord God, we have discussed many things uh, this evening, uh, but we pray now that in the silence we would hear your voice. Uh, We thank you for the godly men and women who founded this church many, many years ago. Uh, Thank you for their vision. Uh, Thank you for their obedience. Uh, Thank you for their passion for the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, uh, that this city of Norwich should be reached uh, by that gospel. And we pray now, as we come to your word, that you would speak to us, uh, cut through uh, our uh, thoughts, cut through our opinions, speak loud and clear to us, we pray. And we pray that we would be obedient to what you have to say to us. Amen. Uh, I don't know very much about um, shipping and sailing, but I'm told that at the end of a long voyage, uh, one of the tasks that you have to do is um, put a ship on its side and uh, scrape the barnacles off and check the the hull. Someone might be able to confirm that for me. Uh, But I'm told that's what you have to do. Uh, It seems to me, as I was thinking about it this week, that in some ways that's a rather good analogy for a church as well, isn't it? Uh, If you look at Holy Trinity, it looks a little bit like a a ship in some ways, uh, doesn't it? Uh, uh, there, there are times when it's right to stop, to tip the hole on its side, to give things a check over, see how things are going, get rid of some of the barnacles, and, uh, and strip back to where we should be. And an APCM, effectively, is, is a good opportunity uh, for that, I think. Uh, there are, uh, there, there are, in the life of a church, it's very easy to just keep sailing on, doing the same old thing. Uh, we think we're doing uh, the right thing. That's, maybe we are. But if we don't check, if we don't stop and uh, see what the situation is, then, uh, then things can go wrong very quickly. Uh, to help us uh, take a sort of uh, check of where we are, I want to uh, just draw some points out from this very, very short reading that we have in, in Acts. Uh, Luke, the, the writer, just gives us a snapshot of the first church uh, in Jerusalem. I'm sure it's a familiar reading to many of you. I can remember sitting reading this as a student at Christian Union and thinking, wow, that's a church I want to be part of. And I'm sure as you read it through, you get that sense as well. Uh, we've just had Pentecost, you'll be aware if you know uh, the scriptures. Pentecost has come, the Spirit has fallen on the church, and, and Luke gives us this kind of description of a Spirit-filled 
church? What does a healthy church look like? He's not trying to pretend that they're perfect. Of course they're not. No church is perfect. It's got sinners in it. But I do think he is pausing here to show us what a church should be like. There are lessons here to learn. Lessons here for us to learn, just as there are lessons for every other uh, church to learn as well. We might almost say this is the original blueprint for a church. But what do we see? There's lots of things we could draw out, but let me just highlight four qualities or characteristics that I think uh, the Lord may be saying to us. Uh, The first thing that stands out uh, for me is that this church was a teaching church. They were a teaching church. You can see, can't you, that from verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Uh, That word devoted means to be continually committed to something. This was the first priority for them. They were absolutely committed to this. This early church were committed to being taught by the apostles, to being fed by them. Now, that's obviously slightly different for us. Uh, We don't have apostles in the same way that the New Testament had. The apostles were those who'd seen the risen Lord Jesus. We don't have that in the same way. Uh, The equivalent for us is, of course, uh, spending time in God's Word. It's giving ourselves to the study of the Scriptures. Uh, The teaching of the apostles that uh, that church in Jerusalem heard uh, directly from their lips has come down to us in the Bible, in God's Word, in the New Testament. Now, of course, we do do that a lot, don't we? Most publicly, we do it when we're gathered here on a Sunday, our our week-by-week Sunday exposition of the Scriptures uh, from uh, from the front. But it also happens at numerous other times uh, during the week, and and we get a sense of that, don't we, from the reports. Uh, Lots of groups, lots of opportunities uh, to listen to the Scriptures, to be devoted to the Apostles' teaching. Uh, before I came to um, Holy Trinity, I, um, I, I bumped into to somebody, and this was uh, extraordinary occurring. I went to a Christian meeting in the middle of Oxfordshire in a tiny, tiny village, and I, I bumped into somebody, and they asked me what I was doing, and I said I was a training for ordination, and uh, I was going to be a curate at a church in Norwich. And would you believe it, that person I bumped into had been converted here at Holy Trinity nearly 40 years ago. Uh, converted under the great and godly ministry of, uh, of, of people in the past uh, and built up through the faithful Bible teaching of this church. Uh, I, I was amazed by that. It was, it was a wonderful encouragement to me. Uh, that's not been the only time I've had that. Since then, I, I've had many examples. Just the other week, I was speaking at a Christian meeting out in the broads uh, and a lady came up to me to say, I'm so grateful for the ministry of your predecessors. I became a Christian when I was a midwife uh, at the old NN site. I came to this church week in, week out. I, I don't know what I owe under God to the faithful Bible teaching ministry of Holy Trinity Norwich. Uh, I, I can't tell you how proud it makes me to serve a church where that's the case. Uh, that is an astonishing legacy, and it happens uh, astonishingly often for me. Uh, and I pray that that would continue for us. It's a great thing, isn't it, for a church to be associated with. That is an amazing spiritual heritage. The problem is, and I think what happens so often, is that people say, well, well, Holy Trinity, they're a word church, but a spirit church, well, you have to look elsewhere for that. And maybe you've heard that said. Maybe, actually, dare I say it, even you've been tempted to think that once or twice. Well, can I point something out to you from this passage? This appetite for God's word... That these people had, these early Christians had, 
What did it come from? It came from the fact that they were spirit-filled Christians. The Holy Spirit had just fallen at Pentecost. They were filled with the Spirit like no other church has been before or since. And yet, what did they do? They didn't leave their brains at the door. They didn't say, well, we're not going to be interested in the teaching. No, they had a renewed appetite for it. A spirit-filled church is actually a church that is hungry for more of God's word. It has to be, doesn't it? Because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. His primary role is to glorify Christ, to make him known, and to bring remembrance of those things to God's people. We should expect nothing else. A spirit-filled church will be a church that values the scriptures. In fact, we could almost turn it the other way and say, if you see a church that has rejected God's word, that church is no longer a spirit-filled church. The two go together. We can never tear them apart. We should never be tempted to. The enemy would always do that. And he's done that countless times through church's history. They belong together. A spirit-filled church is a church that is hungry for more of God's word. We are so fortunate. We're in a church where, where for, for by and large, we, we know those truths, I think, deep down in our hearts. We have countless opportunities to encounter God's word, whether it's on our own, whether it's in small groups, whether it's in pairs, whether it's here on a Sunday morning. But my prayer for us is, is not just that that legacy would continue, although I do pray that, I pray that fervently every day, but I pray most of all that we would not just be a church that's known for Bible teaching, but it would be Bible living. Because actually, it, frankly, it's all a bit of a waste of time, but it doesn't lead to changed lives. But that's how God works, isn't it? It's through his spirit, through his word, changing people's hearts to make them more like Jesus Christ. And that's what it's about. We want to be a teaching church, a learning church, a Bible-living church. Secondly, I think uh, we have here a praying church as well. You can see that as well, can't you, in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer. Apparently, um, C.H. Spurgeon, the great Baptist minister, was uh, once asked by somebody, why is your congregation so fruitful? Uh, Why is it growing so much? And he just said, my people pray. My people pray. I think he would have recognised this picture that Luke gives for us from the church in Acts. A fruitful church is always a praying church. They weren't just devoted to Bible teaching and, and, and hearing from the scriptures. They were devoted to prayer. And I think here, particularly, Luke is, is, is highlighting for us that they were devoted to corporate prayer. seems to me that that's his focus here. Now, we know that if we're Christians, we can pray at any time. We don't have to be uh, in groups of Christians. We know that. We have the Holy Spirit living inside our hearts. We can pray to the Lord at any time. Uh, and, and I would, would, would hope that, that we're, uh, each of us are praying daily for Holy Trinity as our uh, congregation. But I do think there's something special when the body of Christ comes together to pray. There is something special about it. And I think as we look through these first few chapters of Acts, uh, and I commend it to you, it's impossible to escape the the prayerfulness of these early Christians. Uh, They prayed spontaneously, uh, uh, as they felt moved. Uh, They prayed when they felt uh, there was a particular need that needed addressing. Uh, They were men and women who were overwhelmed both by the privilege of prayer, in the sense that they they understood the privilege of speaking to their Heavenly Father, but critically they also understood that it had power as well. There was privilege and power. Uh, They were devoted to prayer, and we get that impression 
uh, very strongly. Uh, There's an old saying, isn't there, that Satan laughs at our words and he mocks at our toil, but he trembles when we pray. How much more is that when a body of believers gather together to pray? Uh, In many ways, we are a praying church, I think. Again, there are lots of opportunities for us uh, to to pray. Uh, But I do sometimes fear that we would be rather embarrassed if we were to make note of how many of the names on the electoral roll uh, really made the most of those opportunities. And I say that uh, as one, I'm not on that list because I I can't be, (laughs) but I say that as somebody who would stand on that list effectively. Uh, Do we make use of the opportunities that we have to pray? Uh, We've thought already this evening, we have some enormous decisions ahead of us as a church. I don't think we can stress that strongly enough. They are some enormous decisions that are facing us. Uh, The decisions that are made in the next few months will affect the life of this church, for good or for ill, for many, many years to come. Uh, We have questions over our direction, questions over our priorities, uh, questions over our next senior minister. Uh, Friends, if there is one thing that I want you to go away from this evening with, hear hear this. It is a renewed call to prayer, corporate prayer. We have to be a praying people. The early church were, we have to be as well. Uh, God works through our prayers. Now I encourage you, if you don't already take prayer focus, that's, uh, pray, sorry, pray for us, that's our, our, our monthly prayer bulletin. Do start taking it now. It's published at the back. You'll, you'll just take it. We want you to use it. Why not commit to coming to prayer focus and the other prayer events that we'll be running during the, uh, this time of vacancy? Uh, we covet uh, your prayers. Uh, thirdly, uh, Luke uh, describes for us here a church that was a partnering church, a partnering church. Again, you can see that from verse 42, can't you? Uh, Luke says they devoted themselves to, uh, to fellowship. I don't know what comes into your mind when you hear the word uh, fellowship. Maybe it's sort of weak tea and soggy biscuits and slightly awkward conversation. Well, actually, the original meaning of it in the Greek is, is, is really partnership, effectively. It's a word that's used of, of business people coming together in, in partnership. Uh, to achieve a specific aim. It's quite different from what we often sort of conjure up, I think. Uh, And again, you can definitely get that sense, can't you, from this description of the church. Uh, They were believers, they were united in gospel partnership. Uh, And you can tell they were, because they showed it practically by the care that they had for others. Uh, You can see that in verse 44, can't you? All the believers were together and they had everything in common. It practically worked itself out in their daily life. They were a church of partners, excuse me, (coughs) working together for the gospel. Uh, I don't know much about cycling, but I'm told that in in cycling, uh, in professional road racing cycling, there's a a technique that certain cyclists can use called drafting. And the way it is, is you hang on to the back of the peloton, it's a group of cyclists, uh, and if you hang on to the back, then basically all the other guys do the hard work, and you get to hang on the back, and you get to benefit from their hard work. Um, uh, let me suggest to you there's no such thing as drafting in the church of Christ. Maybe we're tempted to think there is, I don't know. Uh, all of us are called to partner in the work of the gospel, just as these early Christians uh, were as well. Uh, we can't draft on the efforts of other people, be that the staff, be that the committed core of folks, they're always there and we can count on them week by week. There's no place for drafting. 
Um, it's great reading through the reports, isn't it? And it's amazing to think how many people at Trinity are involved in making things happen week by week. Can't come away with any other impression, I think, from those reports. Uh, thank you for all that you do. I, I'm aware that um, you know, people see me on the standing up here on the front on Sunday, but actually I rely on you guys to, uh, to, to, to support so much of what happens. Really, that, that is really where, uh, where the real deal, uh, real work happens. But I think it would be naive of us to imagine that everyone is pulling their weight. There will be people drafting in an organisation, uh, a group of people as large as we are. Uh, again, if ever there was a time in our church life where we can't afford to be doing that, it, it really is now. Uh, our resources are, 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 are going to be thinly spread. Perhaps not as thinly spread as we might have first thought, but they will be spread all the same. We've lost uh, Steve, for example, where Andy and Ben will be going in the summer. Yes, we're thinking about how we can work to uh, replace them, uh, but, but, but we need not doubt our resources are going to be stretched over the next few months. We need everyone playing their part to partner in the work of the gospel, in the work of this church. Uh, again, if, if this hits a nerve, if you feel convicted, uh, do come and speak to myself, Mike, Commander. We'd love to hear from you, and we can tell you how you can get on and what you can be doing. Uh, we want to be a partnering church. Lastly, Luke records for us that this church was a growing church. They were a growing church. Uh, look with me at verse 47. We're told this. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. <coughs> Excuse me. It's almost a throwaway line, isn't it? You can almost miss it and pass on to the next section uh, without seeing this. But we don't miss it. Amongst everything else that was going on, and there was a lot that was going on in that early body of Christians, uh, the Lord grew them daily, it seems. It almost seems impossible to imagine, doesn't it? Think of that. People daily becoming servants of Jesus Christ, those who previously had been his enemies. Astonishing thing to think about. But we shouldn't be surprised, should we? Because God's vision for churches is growth, not decline. We know that. The Bible tells us that he wants all to be saved and all to come to a knowledge of the truth. And it's the local church, you and me, the body of Christ, who are called to do that. There's a former archbishop, wasn't it, William Temple, who famously said that the church is the only organisation dedicated to the benefits of its non-members. It's true. That's what we're about. We want to see other people bow the knee to Jesus Christ to have their lives transformed, their sins forgiven, and to be with us, with him, in eternity. That's the reason we exist, guys. We're here for, for, for mission, and for mission, ultimately, for worship. And you see that here, don't you? The local church is the appointed means of God for the salvation of the world. Uh, we don't get told very much here about their mission strategy. I don't know, maybe they had uh, countless meetings, they had uh, fancy PowerPoints where they mapped it all out. I, I don't know, I, who knows? I mean, I do think, our jokes aside, they did have a strategy. I think you can tell that if you read through the whole of Acts. They clearly weren't, they weren't stupid. But I think the thing that stands out from this for me is, is simply that they were people who loved Jesus. Uh, they loved Jesus and they couldn't keep quiet about the difference that he had made. Strategy or no strategy, they were going to tell people. And that made a difference. And God, by his grace, did the rest. Just as he always has done. Just as he always will do. It's God who, in his sovereign power, 
changes people's hearts. It was true for you. Think back to the time when you became a Christian. Uh, Who was it? What was it that brought you to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, crucified and risen for you? Maybe it was a local church, I don't know. But ultimately it was God in his spirit, by his power, changing your hard heart. And we shouldn't be surprised, again, should we? Because the growth of the gospel, wherever uh, we are in history, or whether we are across the globe, has always had those two elements to it. It's always been ordinary people who've had the gospel burned into their hearts and into their lips, who just can't keep quiet about it. And it's a mighty, mighty God who, by his spirit, transforms hearts to see the truth of how the world works, to see the truth of their sin, to see the wonderful truth of Jesus Christ alive and inviting us to know him. Not so much a strategy, friends, but a lifestyle, dare I say it. The figures that we uh, had read earlier did show some decline numerically. Uh, And I think we have to face that. There are all kinds of reasons uh, for that. Uh, But I don't want us to be too depressed about it. I don't don't think that's me being being naive. But it's simply to say that that, that gospel growth is not always about numbers. It's very hard to measure, actually. I don't think numbers are unimportant, of course. Uh, But gospel growth is an internal uh, thing. And there has been, I know, gospel growth this year at Holy Trinity Church. There are people who did not know Jesus Christ this time last year who do now. And they will be with us in eternity, I believe. There are people who did know him a little and know him more now. And I rejoice that that is true. Yes, there may be fewer bums on seats. There there may be slightly less money coming into the coffers. Fine, it's not unimportant in its way. But things that really matter... Gospel growth, that is happening, just as it's always happened, and just as I trust it always will happen, by God working through us by his Spirit. Uh, Just this afternoon, I I was sitting and finishing this off, and it struck me just how many people there are in this parish who, at the moment, are, are going a different way to us. They do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. I think of our neighbours. We talk to them, we try and encourage them to come to Trinity. I think they think based on like the equivalent of the professional at the golf club. It, they, they don't really see that that's for them. It's nice for you, it's nice for the people who come, but it's not for them. Uh, and I pray for them daily that they would come to know Jesus Christ through us and through the ministry of this church. Uh, and and that, that, that case could be multiplied by thousands across this city. There are thousands of people, friends, who are going to hell. Unless we do our bit, we tell them of Jesus Christ, unless God and his spirit does his work as well. And I don't know about you, but all I can do in the sight of that is simply to recommit myself to pray, to tell us of Jesus, and simply to pray that God would be at work through this church, just as he has been, drawing people uh, by his spirit. Uh, the gospel hasn't changed in the 160 years that this church has been standing. God hasn't changed. He's still the same God. He's still at work, just as he always has been, just as he always will be. Uh, We must pray that he will fire our hearts with this good news, that we might tell others, and that as we go out and tell us, he will do his bit, just as he's promised, and he will bring people to know him, just as he's always done. What do we see as we inspect the hull? flip things over. Yep, there's much that's good, 
Much that's, that's great, much to be encouraged by, but yes, there's no room for complacency. Uh, friends, let's be praying that God would again fill us with his spirit, that he would use this church for his glory, just as he has done in the past, that he would bring many to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let's stand, and we're going to pray for that, I think. Let me lead us in prayer. Lord God, our Father, we praise you that we do have such a wonderful heritage here at Holy Trinity. Uh, And we don't take that for granted. We thank you for the faithful men and women who had the vision to build this place. Uh, We realise that we simply stand on their shoulders, we stand on their efforts. And we thank you so much for how you have used this congregation and this church uh, for your purposes in our existence. Uh, We give you thanks. We know we don't deserve it. You could have used other churches, and you have used us, and we give you thanks and praise. We thank you for all the names who will be there, written in the Book of Life, because of the ministry of Holy Trinity. Uh, And Lord God, we pray that you would use us again. Uh, We come now, we know that we desperately need your Spirit. Uh, We need your Spirit to fall on us afresh. We need to be filled. Uh, Recapture our first love. Uh, We pray that Jesus Christ would be at the centre of all that we do. It would not be for our name or our renown, but for for his and his alone. And we pray that you would use us. Bring gospel growth, we pray. We don't want people who are simply coming because they've fallen out with other churches. We want people who desperately know that they are sinners and they need a saviour, just as we do. Use us, we pray, for your glory. Amen.